you probably think about what goes on your plate, right? It's exactly the same with your clothes. There is a chain of events that has led your clothes to being in a shop or being online or finally getting to your body. And we really, really need to be thinking about how they got there because this is one of the most polluting industries in the entire world. Welcome to the Power Hour, the weekly podcast that will motivate you to pursue your passion and to achieve success. I'm Adrienne Herbert, international speaker, fitness coach, Adidas global ambassador and entrepreneur. Each week, I'll be talking to today's leading coaches, creatives, change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits, morning routines and rules to live by. The Power Hour is all about taking just one hour each day to help you improve your life and unlock your full potential. Whether you want to build a business, write a book, run a marathon, or maybe you're just looking for a spark of inspiration, the Power Hour is going to help you get there faster. Welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. Today's guest is a presenter and podcast host with a passion and dedication to sustainable fashion, vegan lifestyle, recipes, and low waste. After starting her career at MTV, where she worked as part of a small team, there she learned to write and edit scripts, as well as how to shoot and edit videos. She later used those skills to create her own videos for her incredibly popular YouTube channel. She regularly hosts cookery demos and live Q&As at events such as Sweaty Betty Live, Vivolution and BBC Good Food. I'm mega happy to introduce you to the coolest eco-warrior in town. Welcome to the show, Venetia Faulkner. Hello, thank you so much for having me. What an intro, oh my gosh, you're too lovely. Oh, I'm so happy to have you here in the studio. And you actually invited me, Venetia, to be a guest on your podcast, which is called Talking Taste Buds, last year. And it was my very first, very first ever podcast interview. I love that. We've come full circle. We have. That, and in the words of Taylor Swift, look what you made me do. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, I can't take credit for your wonderful, wonderful podcast, but it was such an honour to have you on. And uh, that's one of my favourite episodes. You just have this crazy effervescent personality, which really does motivate and inspire people. So it's such a, a wonderful thing to be on your podcast. Awesome. So as I said, happy to have you here. And I'd love to, well, so many things I want to talk to you about, but I'd love to ask you, ask you to take us back a little bit so on this show i really like hearing people's journeys and you know where and where they are who they are how they got there kind of thing and often i think when you discover someone new online or in a magazine or even you meet them in real life we are presented with this version of them if you know what i mean mm -hmm. so without any kind of context or background so can you talk to us about little stage school venetia and subsequently what has led you here i can certainly talk you through stage school venetia i love how you you phrase that so I grew up in Gloucestershire uh, in the countryside and I was very fortunate to grow up around lots of animals and had lots of pets who I loved and adored they were kind of my best friends um, I was less bothered about people back then uh, more bothered about animals and I I definitely always loved performing that was something that I always did with my sisters and my cousins we were constantly you know, dressing up as the Spice Girls. I started acting maybe at the age of about six or seven. Um, I started getting really into dancing when I was about eight or nine, you know, ballet, tap, jazz, modern, um, anything where I could just be in front of a, 
in front of a crowd or an audience. I just really enjoyed it and I had absolutely no fear. I think that's such that's the beautiful thing about being that age. You just kind of get on and do it, or at least I did. Um, and then I I went to quite a quite a kind of institutionalized boarding school at the age of 11. I didn't actually board until I was 16, but it was still like a very intense school. And unfortunately it was at that time that I stopped dancing, but I did definitely keep up acting and public speaking and, you know, debating and that kind of thing, which I loved. And then I was determined to be an actress. I was like, I I think this is what I want to do. And my school said to me, you know, you should really go and get a degree, Uh, go and get a degree and then think about drama school. So I went to Warwick University and it's an awesome uni. They have so many cool clubs and societies. And I definitely kind of tried to edge my way in to the drama societies and kind of get in with that crowd. But I don't, they weren't really that keen on me. No, not really. They were just like, no, they were just like, maybe next time, hun. Um, But I think, you know, if you want to act, it has to be the only thing that you want to do in life because... it's the most competitive industry but I did find the radio and tv societies um which I loved so I had a couple of radio shows while I was there and it's also where I found tv I started doing lots of interviews at like our summer end of year balls and yeah I just really I really loved that side of things I didn't work that hard at uni I did the bare minimum I turned up to pretty much every lecture because I knew I wasn't going to work so I was like the the least I can do is turn up to every lecture so I did that but then in all of my spare time holidays uh weeks off weekends I was applying and doing as much work experience as I could in the tv radio and film space and you know if you send off 100 emails at least one person is going to get back to you and then that one week of work experience if you make enough tea if you smile enough if you ask enough questions that will lead you to another bit of work experience so I did lots of work experience and a lot of running running around Soho where we are now that's kind of that's kind of how I started and very fortunately that led me to being able to start at MTV when I finished university so uh, although I wasn't kind of as intelligent as a lot of my peers at uni, uh, because of all of that work that I did, it meant that I had a job to start with when I finished. Um, I love that though, that you've just shared that because so many people that I've heard say, you know, oh, it's so difficult for, you know, no, don't get me wrong, the economy is what it is. You know, it's difficult for people to find employment, to get jobs for young people. And they'll say, you know, look, you know, my, I have this degree and I don't have a job. And it's like, you, you know, I finished university, what now? give me a job and as you said you know yes it's very competitive every industry is competitive there's going to be 10 people with that degree or that skill set or whatever so I think the fact that you were as you just said working hard you know doing doing the jobs of you know being a runner making cups of tea doing the actual rolling up your sleeves work that people don't want to do because you're like well I have a degree it's you know you did both and that's what got you there I think ultimately I knew that doing a degree in the arts I did English and film and it was it was all theoretical it wasn't practical I knew that that wasn't going to necessarily lead me into a into a job especially the job that I wanted um and yeah so I started an internship at MTV making MTV news and I absolutely loved it uh it was very much like you have to just get on with it. I was kind of, I was like, oh, I don't think I'm going to want to, you know, film that much. And I ended up loving it. Um, The stuff I got to do was crazy. I think in my first 
month I was interviewing Cameron Diaz and Colin Firth because no one else was there to do it and little kind of like 21 year old me was like what is going on um but that's just the beauty of working in a small team and you just kind of you're thrown into it and you just get on with it um and I ended up actually really really enjoying the things that I didn't think I would like the filming and the editing um I think when you're when you're younger you just think I want to be a star and I want to be center stage and actually there's so much joy that comes from from being a part of the full process and working in a team that's something that I kind of miss actually I loved working in that team so I was there for a couple of years and then I went freelance as a producer and then I think because I'd been working with presenters so much writing so many scripts doing so many interviews I I've, I have a habit of saying I fell into presenting whereas really I think I'd kind of I didn't fall into it. I think it happened probably with intention because I'd been, whether I'd realized it or not, manifesting it by working with presenters and doing all the things that presenters do. So I started presenting and I presented a daily live show uh, for about a year and a half. I was still producing it as well, which I loved. And then from there, I started doing uh, live food, not live, I started doing food I started hosting food content for Tastemade and Tastemade are a kind of international food network. And suddenly I wasn't just being seen in the UK. My videos would be seen, would be, were being seen all around the world. And I was getting to talk about things like, you know, low waste and vegan and, and that kind of thing. Um, so I thought, okay, I'd quite like to do more, more, more stuff on my own that's online, which can be, which can reach a bigger audience. So that's when I launched a YouTube channel and then six months later I launched a podcast. Mm. And that's basically a condensed journey of how I got to doing what I'm doing today. Yeah, yeah, thank you for talking us through that because it is interesting to hear people's journeys and often some people have one, you know, direct thing in mind and it goes off and, you know, takes them in a completely different direction or, you know, other times people say they never, you know, there's nothing on their radar at all, didn't even want to do that at all. I think there's only been one guest who like from the age of five knew exactly what she wanted to do but um also when you said about you know as a child you're bold to just dance or whatever you are still bold i see your instagram videos so don't be people if you've seen venetia's wonderful wiggle online she's actually professionally trained now we know (laughs) i'm not professionally (laughs) trained i can't take credit for that i really i'm always trying to come back to that kind of youthful naivety and kind of gusto it's fun and we also we all need to get back to that that fun side that we had as kids, that's what we're kind of all lacking, I think. We just need to let go a little bit. Yeah, for sure. So inevitably, some things have changed along the way. But as I mentioned at the start, you are now a vegan and an advocate advocate for sustainable living. So these days you are a woman on a mission. So when did you, I guess, discover your passion and wanting to share that with the world of veganism? Veganism came to me about four years ago and it wasn't one thing it was lots of things things just kept popping up I was doing lots of yoga and meditation and I guess just becoming a more conscious human and I was asking lots of questions and at the same time you know the food blogging scene was really kicking off um suddenly we weren't looking at tv chefs we were looking at deliciously ella and maddie shaw and seeing how how they were cooking and eating and they put plants on the center of the plate and at the same time lots of vegan restaurants were popping up in london and i just kind of started researching started watching documentaries and like i said i was always an animal lover so once i learned about the animal side of things um i couldn't really unsee what i'd seen and unlearn what i'd learned 
So I didn't do it overnight. I didn't go cold turkey or cold tofurkey as the <laughs> phrase should really go. Um, I switched to a vegan diet over a period of about five months. So I started as just one meal a day. I was actually back at MTV at the time working as a freelancer and I would bring in my breakfast and that would be vegan. And then I tried one day a week and then weekdays and then weekends. So I really took my time with it and it just felt right. I felt I had this feeling of lightness. Um, I can't really describe it, but you kind of feel like a levitating monk. Um, just, it felt like something had lifted. I'm a fairly spiritual person. And I think that has some, I personally think that has something to do with the fact that you're not taking on the anxiety of animals anymore. I think that's kind of where the lightness comes from. And it just, it worked for my lifestyle. I felt really good. I loved cooking. I loved learning to cook in this new, vibrant, exciting way. So it just felt like the right thing to do. And I kind of loved the sense of sense of community that it gave me. I, I really believe that everything comes back to community and human connection. And the vegan community is really, really wonderful. It gets quite a hard, a, a hard rep sometimes, but I loved it and I loved meeting new people and connecting with new people in this in, in this exciting way. And I guess veganism was kind of, I mean, the root of everything is probably meditation and yoga and then veganism. And then veganism led me to slow fashion and living a lower waste lifestyle. Um, when you put yourself online, like I do, uh, people can often often say, hey, if you're this, why aren't you that? Yeah, well, I'm definitely going to talk to you about that for sure. Um, and how do you how do you feel that the recent shift in mainstream consumption and going towards veganism becoming more popular these days? You know, surely that's that's a good thing, right? But I do think now, I guess it's so popular, it's almost just being called a trend. You know, veganism is now a trend. Do you think that it is a trend or do you think that it's here to stay? I think potentially the, you know, the phrasing around it and the terminology around it is a trend. Um, but I do think it's here to stay. I think, you know, massively reducing our meat and dairy consumption and eating more plants is here to stay. It has to be. We don't really have a choice in this matter. You know, if you have enough money to be able to choose what goes on your plate, you have a responsibility to make that more plant focused because we only have one planet and we really need to look after it. We need, really need to do what we can uh, to make sure that we're here for, for as long as possible. Um, so I do think the terminology around it is trendy. I don't think there will be this, we're vegan and, and you're not, you can't sit with us kind of thing that there potentially has been in recent years. Mm -hmm. I think it will just be more of a generally accepted thing that the majority of people, especially, you know, like in the Western world, in the, in the world that we're living in, are predominantly plant based and I think that's actually what we should be aiming for rather than this kind of strict I am vegan 100% of the time these and are the rules yeah. these are the rules exactly you've just got to do what what works for you because I know a lot of people you know a vegan diet really doesn't agree with them like personally speaking I cannot eat lentils or beans oh. I'm, I'm oh my gosh I am like I'm awful on them. Uh, so I just have to make the adequate changes in my own diet to make veganism work for me. You've just got to find what's right for you. And that's why I, you know, took all those months to kind of figure it all out. I really like that you, what you did then as well, when you said about the steps that you took. So one meal a day, then one day a week, then a few more days, because it doesn't have to be, as you said, this huge jump, this huge all or nothing. Now you are a vegan. These are the rules. You can't, because that I think A, puts people off because they just kind of go, oh, I just had one chocolate bar. I can't do it, forget it. 
or they kind of yeah i guess they they worse than that i think is when they go to this righteous side of like now i'm vegan and now i'm going to condemn everybody else for every choice and you think come on like that's not as you said it's not inclusive it doesn't it's not fun and it doesn't make people want to listen to what you have to say and i think sometimes the message that some vegan you know is it, the, the message is so important as you rightly say about the planet we have you know we're going to run out of resources but if the delivery isn't right people won't want to hear the message absolutely and you know what better way to garner a greater sense of community than asking people to take small steps and doing what they can you know we're just we're going to make more headway if we do it that way and I think we need to understand that it's not going to be 100% right for everyone and that's okay. Okay, let's talk about fashion. I saw an interview where you shared a statistic that actually blew my mind. You said, when a woman buys an item of clothing, she only wears it seven times before it's thrown out. That is mad. Yeah, and I think it is mad. But Adrian, I feel like we, the industry that we're in, seven times is actually quite a lot. I think a lot of people only wear something once, especially once it's inadvertent commas been on the gram oh gosh we're living in a terrifying time and and i'm not saying i'm exempt from this i came to this because i was one of those people i would wear something once and then i would think i can't wear it again you know i was on tv and i was sharing aspects of my life online and i thought okay cool once this is this is a bold outfit i should only wear it once yeah i know what you mean actually i think with an outfit exactly i think with day-to-day clothes i'm kind of thinking what like this pair of jeans i'm wearing i do not know how many times i've worn them but i think you're right with like i've got like yeah if i go to an event and maybe wear like a statement suit and then you're like oh well if i wear that to the next event it's like we just saw you in that suit Mm. but it's ridiculous Mm -hmm. it is totally ridiculous and and i think we need to be celebrating uh outfits that we wear time and time again it's something that I, i i really make a point of doing we need to show respect to the people who made our clothes we need to value the resources it took to make our clothes if you look at the food on your plate and you think about, you know, you probably read labels. You probably think about where it's come. Maybe you go to a farmer's market. Maybe you chat to the farmers about, you know, where these plants on your plate were grown. Maybe you source your fish really responsibly. The same with your meat. Maybe you go to a butcher. Or maybe you probably think about what goes on your plate, right? It's exactly the same with your clothes. There is a chain of events that has led your clothes to being in a shop or being online or finally getting to your body and we really really need to be thinking about how they got there because this is one of the most polluting industries in the entire world there are seven billion people in the world we produce 80 billion pieces of clothing every single year it is so out of hand and so unnecessary and we really need to make a change Mm. wow yeah and in the same interview you also said how i look isn't the most important thing anymore it's bigger than that it's about the planet i mean can i get an amen for that but for anyone listening who might think you know well you're just not interested in fashion or styling don't get it twisted gang venetia's outfits are always on point so what's the secret to i guess avoiding fast fashion while still looking cool and well-dressed I should say that I am materialistic and I'm superficial and I like to look good, but not caring so much and and finding the why. And for me, the why is the planet and the people making my clothes is such a release. It's like, oh, oh, wow, I'm doing good when I don't buy that piece of clothing or when I do invest in a secondhand piece of clothing or I rent something. Uh, It's such a wonderful feeling and and finding that why has just given me such a kind of zest for life and and a motivation for when I wake up in the morning. And the secret to 
to having you know to still looking looking you know looking like you, you're all right you you look quite cool uh, <laughs> i think there are a few ways so it starts by really organizing your wardrobe and really getting getting to grips with what you own this is a slightly slightly terrifying concept and i can't take credit for it marie kondo yes. the babe that she is the queen she had me tip every single item of clothing that i owned on my living room floor and it was terrifying when i saw all of the clothes that i had piled up i could not quite believe what i had but it's a really important thing to do because it shows you what you have what you love and what you want to keep hold of and cherish and it helps you organize your wardrobe if your wardrobe is organized and you can see absolutely everything in it you will be better at coming up with new outfits you'll be better at styling that's just that it will just be such a useful useful thing for you to do so organize your wardrobe appreciate what you have when it breaks or if you buy something new and it breaks straight away think of how you could mend it or if you if you really don't have the time for that maybe there's someone in your life who knows how to sew when something breaks upcycle it and mend it and fix it don't throw it away and then when you really want something new, think about swapping with your friends. Think about renting. I'm obsessed with renting at the moment. There's a new uh, website, uh, which is just launched in London called Her, H-U-R-R. It feels like you're on Netaporter and you can rent clothes for, and really wonderful clothes for in, totally inexpensively for about seven days. And I really think renting is the future. And then potentially if you really really want buy want to buy something new i really would say uh prioritize pre-existing so secondhand charity shops vintage stores uh, like i said there are too many pieces of clothing in the in the world celebrate what's already around and then maybe think about you know putting your money into sustainable brands however the notion of sustainable fashion is a little bit of a tricky one because ultimately fashion is not sustainable even as unless something is made of upcycled totally upcycled materials you know there's still a process yeah uh, water, it, water, yeah. everything it's it's a long process so um that's that's got to be your decision ultimately whether it's fast fashion or slow fashion if you're looking at a piece of clothing whatever it is do you love it? Does it make your heart sing? Could it make you feel like Beyonce? If that's the case, then go forth, love it, wear it, and and treat it like a member of your family. If you don't, leave it. You yeah, don't need you don't it. Need to buy it. And I think on that that note of fast fashion, you know, I've heard the debate, I guess, about fast fashion, and sometimes even people shaming others for like where they choose to shop on the high street. Some say boycott the high street. Others argue that it's a privileged perspective and that an alter an alternative option might not be affordable for them. So yeah, what's your take on that? I am fully aware that I'm in a privileged position. I have the time and the money to think about where I want. To to buy my clothes and what I'm gonna I mean it's part of my it's part of my job now you know like talking about this is something that I, I do for work um and it is a privilege maybe you have that privilege too maybe you have if you're listening you have the time and the money to be able to think a little bit about what you're wearing if that's the case then I would really think twice before you support brands and i i have to say i do name i name and shame brands because i'm in a position where i have a platform now and the ethics of these brands isn't up to par it's not okay it's not good enough and i i feel like in order to instigate a change in order to persuade people to prioritize other brands perhaps is something that i almost have a duty to do mm -hmm. 
So the super fast fashion brands, misguided boohoo, pretty, pretty little thing. They're really affordable and it's for a reason. They're not treating their workers fairly. And this isn't just workers in countries that we've potentially never been before, um, been to before. This is in, this is, you know, closer to home. This is their factories are in Manchester. Um, and they're just not up to par. And I know that there's also greenwashing now coming from bigger brands like H&M and Zara. H&M have conscious collections. And I get messages about this all of the time. Um, you know, people saying, oh, I've, I've, I've recently noticed that H&M are doing a con- conscious collection. Can I support this? I personally choose to avoid these brands altogether because ultimately they're still fast fashion brands making a lot of product. Mm-hmm. However, again, does this piece of clothing make your heart sing and make you feel like Beyonce? If that's the case, then go forth. But don't support it because it has the conscious or the sustainable tag. I think that's something that it's as consumers, it's so hard not to get swept up by. We think that, oh, because something's got that tag or it's organic or it's this yeah, yeah, or it's yeah. that. It's recycled. Or, we we yeah. should buy it. No, 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 no. Yeah. This has got to be about conscious consumption. This hasn't, this isn't, this is where you get into the trends, right? Like I'm seeing YouTubers do do hauls of, of sustainable, sustainable hauls with lots of pieces of clothing in these hauls. This is defeating the entire notion of slowing it's fast fashion. It's just another fashion. thing of like, let me use that word because it's a buzzword of like, oh, sustainable, you know, it's actually that it's actually laughable and I think sometimes you know good for you for you know a having a message being bold enough to say it not having to kind of oh I won't name and shame you know the thing is it's your we you know it's a democracy you can say you you know you can say what you what you believe and actually for me I I met somebody last year when I was in Berlin and she has her own clothing um brand and she makes these incredible dresses and she goes to work with women um and supports their community and how they produce them and how they create them and everything it's amazing but for her she said what started her journey and this is really stuck in my mind so i'm just going to share it i think that's why sometimes people need to like you know what i mean that kind of thing that's like wow because when you just say factory conditions or people are like oh yeah okay but this um girl what she told us is that basically she was doing a visit she she went to meet this woman and yeah she was talking to her about her her life her job her kids all of her children and lived in this one one room house basically and yeah in the corner of the of the room there was like a big big pile of adult sized nappies and so she kind of said to her like oh why do you have those you know because all of her children were you know young and she said oh i wear them to work because at work you can't have toilet breaks so you wear an adult nappy so that you can stand and create as you said all of these products um for whichever brand it is and you cannot even go to the toilet and this isn't a rare case this happens a lot time is money and if going to the loo means you know you're wasting a little bit of time it's not good enough so the nappies thing i've heard quite a lot and that it's, blew my mind it's i was awful. genuinely like but this isn't like a secret that they're not allowed to tell and she was like no it's awful and you, I, I, that's just that's just the tip of the iceberg it's yeah. it's 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 pretty it's pretty horrific it's pretty horrific about some of the stuff that's happening is pretty horrific um but I guess some of the things that you just said as well are going to save you money because I guess A, if you're buying less things, you're wearing them more often. None of this, oh, I've worn it once, so I can't wear it again. But also, as you said, you know, getting someone to mend it. Um, one question I have for you though, which literally on Sunday, I was like, oh, I know who I can ask about this. Venetia. So no pressure, Venetia. <laughs> no pressure. But so I'm a mother. I have a young son. He grows very, very quickly. And I know that, of course, when I, you know, when he grows out of something, he may not have worn it very much or it still looks brand new. So of course, I try to, you know, pass it on to a friend who's got a younger child or take it to a charity shop or a clothes bank. 
but I don't really know. I guess sometimes that's not always an option for, for everyone. What is the most sustainable way to dispose of clothes and shoes? Because honestly, Jude is, yeah, he's seven now. He, everything I seem to try on him at the moment, I can see his ankles, his feet have grown. I'm like, oh great. So that's trainers, that's um, football shoes for school, that's wellies, that might be slippers, all these things. And you know that if you replace them, they're probably going to last for about nine months and they won't fit again. So yeah, any good tips for mums on how to dispose of things in a more sustainable way? As much as I'm envious of the fact that you have the most beautiful boy I've ever seen in my entire (laughs) life, I am also grateful at these times to not be a mother and have to think about these things because, oh my gosh, it's a whirlwind. Another like thing. I think about babies and I'm like oh my gosh nappies yeah waste from nappies mm-hmm. could I be a mother who used re- who uses reusable nappies oh my gosh thank goodness I'm not thinking about that just yet or really um okay so ultimately the best thing you can do is find that piece of clothing a new home mm-hmm. again this is time um but if you can sell these pieces of clothing on eBay or Depop so they go to a good home and to someone that really wants them that is wonderful the problem with giving stuff to charity is that only about 10% of what we donate actually ends up in charity stores which is kind of terrifying i'm working with a wonderful company at the moment called love not landfill and they kind of specialize in the socks and the shoes and the stuff that isn't really going to find find a place in a charity shop they will find a way to recycle that or upcycle that or make sure it goes to a good place and so that's a really really good option and then yeah i guess kind of maybe finding finding you know other mums who have slightly smaller children and doing swaps and exchanges with them it's really really tricky i have a facebook group called the slow fashion exchange which is just basically a wonderful community of people interested in slow fashion and it's these kind of questions which come up a lot and often there's someone you know who's in the same boat or it can help or is looking for something similar to what you just mentioned so maybe it's worth joining the slow fashion exchange facebook group yeah i will i will i'll check it out because it is something that i'm conscious of a when i'm buying things in the first place because it's all very well saying you know you know at the end of the day their clothes need to fit them you know what i mean you can't you can't you know and i think it's yeah it's difficult and again it's like well i know a lot of people will say they just buy cheap because they're not going to last long from these high street brands it's like you're not going to invest in you're not going to buy an investment piece for a seven-year-old it doesn't exist so yeah it's hard i mean maybe like jude's got cool style you put him in cool clothes maybe it's worth holding on to them and 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 waiting to donate them to a friend who i I think there's something in this you know is there a way of creating a little community of mums and the mom because trust me i'm more than happy i don't even that's the thing you know it's not even about selling them i'm more than happy to yeah donate them give them to to a friend or to someone i don't even have to know them but a lot of my friends it's either their children are the same age so it's no good or they've got a one-year-old so you know what i mean it's that big gap so yeah maybe i should i'll look into this because i think there must be a lot of mums who are in the same situation as me please let's start this discussion on the facebook group because this is the kind of thing that i i I think there'll be such a there'll be such a little market from this i reckon you'll get loads of dms about this after this episode goes live awesome so let's start that conversation yeah let's do it one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes nice dress uh it's a it's a t-shirt until you tried it on same goes for your health care that's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hi, 
I'm learning so much. Thank you, Venetia. So another thing I wanted to talk about is this pressure. Do you ever feel a pressure now that you are out there? As you said, you have a platform, you have your YouTube channel, Instagram. Do you feel a pressure to have this standard in quote that you have you know set for yourself or others because i literally now i'm afraid to use a plastic bag or to use a plastic water bottle in fear that i will be pillarized because you know the, the serious panic of when someone asks you in the shop do you want a bag and you realize you don't have your bag with you and you have to make the food jenga you've done the food jenga i love and- this term <laughs> the food jenga oh my it's gosh adrian of- you've smashed it with that one honestly it's a stack of everything and i'm like okay i can make it i'm like no 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 bag no bag thank you and i'll just struggle uh, because I just don't want to get that plastic bag and someone see me and be like, you carrying plastic. So yeah, do you ever feel a pressure to be perfect? Absolutely, absolutely I do. And this is why I am I try to be careful um, with the kind of terminology that I, I use. Um, I've never described myself as zero waste. I try, try to describe myself as low waste because that seems more attainable for me. Um, and similarly with plastic free, you know, like I, I, I've tried to steer away from that because it's near impossible to be 100% zero waste plastic free. I just do what I can, but I definitely feel that pressure. Oh my gosh. I think I've spent quite a considerable amount of time denying myself things because I would be scared of what people might think. You'd be a hypocrite. Because I'd be a hypocrite. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I'm quite hard on myself for that reason. Um, I think I'm getting better at, at going easy on myself. I think about, I often think to myself, if I wasn't doing what I'm doing, would I be living my life any differently? Mm. And I don't think I would. I think everything, every decision I make, I would maintain if I was doing something completely different. Um, something that I'm really trying to focus on at the moment. I think the focus needs to be on conscious consumption, mindful consumption. What are we consuming? This isn't just food. This isn't just fashion. This isn't just plastic. This is the people we follow online. This is the amount of content we take in. This is our relationships, our friendships. What is filling you with joy? What is, what, what feeds your soul? That's what we need to be thinking about. And something for me at the moment is the amount of time I spend online. So my boyfriend and I have started taking weekly digital detoxes. We turn our phones off on Friday night and we don't turn them back on again until Sunday evening. Really? Yeah. We the whole week, well, yeah, that's kind of the whole weekend. 48 hours. Yeah. It's something that we've started doing and this is something that I felt like I needed to do for my mental health. And also I'm not in a position to be talking about mindful consumption. If I'm on my phone 24 mm-hmm. seven, I can't be telling people to turn their phones off if I'm not doing that myself. So I'm really strict with myself in the evenings. My phone goes off at about 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it won't come on again until I've been awake for about two hours the following morning. But I decided recently with my boyfriend that this would extend two weekends. So that's now something that we're doing every weekend and we're encouraging our followers to do it too because life is when you look up and you're not in your screens. So I'm trying to use my platform as a way to live more consciously and live up to this expectation that people have of me. I want to live up to, you know, being low waste and being sustainable. And equally, I need that to extend to living a life offline Mm -hmm. and spending time with the people that I love without my phone. Oh my gosh. Wait, there's a life offline? (laughs) You know? Apparently, Apparently. like I'm not entirely sure, but apparently that's a thing. Um, I'm just finding, I'm finding it so rewarding and... Good for you. Thanks, yeah. Yeah. I want to keep it up. I'm going to keep it up. It it, it feeds my soul. (laughs) 
And so with that, of the, you know, conscious choices, what we consume, when we consume, how do you have, I want to talk to you about your morning, about your power hour, if you have one, do you have a conscious morning routine? If so, what time do you wake up and what does that routine involve? This is my favorite question ever. Uh, apart from maybe what's your death row dinner this is a close second I love hearing about people's morning routines and actually you really inspired me with this I feel like I've got my morning routine down now and that's partly due to the wake up time okay I now wake up at 6am and this hasn't been a this hasn't been a constant feature this is something that I've been doing for about six months and I don't wake up with an alarm and obviously I don't wake up with my phone because that's in another room and it's turned off I wake up with the Lumi light mm-hmm. um, they're amazing have a little look into them I've had mine for so many years now and it basically wakes you up with a gradual sunrise so you don't have that I don't think it's good for us to be wake, woken up with a with a really kind of noisy alarm mm-hmm. I don't think it can be good for our nervous systems so I wake up gradually with the light or I leave my curtains open if it's the right time of year and then I I go to the loo I put the kettle on I uh I always have hot water kind of hot warm water in the morning um something my meditation teacher teacher taught me and now I'm addicted I've been doing that for years just hot water on its own hot water on its own yeah I used to do lemon and it was my meditation teacher I had really bad skin at the time really bad not really bad but I didn't have a great skin at the time and I was talking to my meditation teacher about it she was like she's I think she's she's Aussie she was like what are you what are you doing first thing in the morning are you drinking anything I was like yeah I'm having hot water and lemon like the kind of instagram you know go- instagram gurus are telling me to do she's like no i think you should just have hot water that will be much more kind of soft on your system so that's what i do now wow uh, oh my gosh it, i can't i feel like they must taste really strange just hot water i feel like it would be like bath water uh it, <laughs> you, you really get i know what you mean but you really get used to it okay. i think um it's a very western thing to be drinking cold cold water when someone gives me a glass of water with ice in it oh, i yeah me too. i can't me too i thought it was just a weird thing me and jude were like I can only drink room temperature and that sounds so like diva room temperature but like I can't drink hot or cold like if something's hot I wait for it to cool down and if it's got ice I get rid of yeah room temp room temp will warm for me I I really I think it makes it I think it's really good for our digestion and our Mm. systems PS not qualified in anything if you're a health professional I'm sorry if my facts are wrong (laughs) but this is just what I do it makes me feel good and I have also this is this is probably something I've been doing for about a year I now have freezing cold showers first thing like Rob my husband does he do it too doing that for six months he's obsessed with it venetia like obsessed every day cold shower the whole shower is cold not even like some people have it cold then hot the whole thing is ice cold me me and you me and me and rob both you and rob are in the shower (laughs) (laughs) no that's not but um, maybe separate showers in very separate locations maybe at the same time both in freezing cold water um this is something that i learned from the Iceman wim hof yes he's incredible oh my gosh the guru have a little research of him if you've never heard about him he's an incredible man so i have a freezing cold shower first thing it just makes me feel alive it makes me feel like i've had uh I, I went to see the happy pair last year to interview them for my podcast and they do early morning swims in the freezing cold Irish sea. And they're like, it's 10 shots of espresso. That's what it feels like. And that's what it genuinely does feel like. So I'm addicted to those as well. And then I will uh, sit down and meditate for 20 minutes. And then after that, I will potentially do a little yoga flow or a little yoga class or I'll go for a walk. Just make sure that I'm moving my body in some way. And then I will have my English breakfast tea and then I will get on with breakfast and the rest of my day. But this whole process probably takes, and I'm aware that I might not have this time forever. So I'm relishing every second of it at the moment. This probably takes about an hour to an hour and a half. Hence why I get up at 6am. 
but it just makes the biggest difference to my day and to my mental health yeah. and my sanity. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that you shared that. And as you know, I've done you know quite a few of these episodes and I really, I love finding out people's morning routines, but I really wanna, I guess, dive deeper into this and to understand why, because I'm really not exaggerating when I say that my routine in the morning has changed my entire life. So when I say that to people sometimes, they're like, why just because you get up at half five like i don't get it but for you you know you said it's been six months so i guess how did you figure out that this was the way you wanted to start your day so i've been developing my morning routine for probably about six years and this is i feel at the moment it will probably change all of the time but at the moment this is where it's at and i do it because i suffer with my mental health I have suffered with anxiety for a very very long time and anxiety sufferers love routine and structure and nine to fives nothing in my life wants me to have any kind of staff job any kind of routine it's just the universe I feel like this is the one of the biggest life lessons I'm being taught by the universe it does not want me to have these things so I have to structure that in for myself to make sure that I can do all the things I need to do to make sure that I do all my work that I am a good friend a good daughter a good sister a good girlfriend all of those things i need to make sure that i put the tools in place to maintain my mental health so it's all mental health related for me and i think we should all we're living in a really crazy time where our default response when someone asks us how we are is to say i'm busy and I think mistakenly busy has been a sign has been noted as a sign of success. I'm really drawing away from that now. To me success is, you know, yeah, having a great career but also having really good friendships and relationships and making time for those things because otherwise we're just going to rattle through life and not kind of see where the time is going. So success to me is looking after myself so I can do the things I need to do and then have the relationships and the friendships that feed my soul and make life worth living. Yeah, I love that. I'm hearing that so much more from so many different people. And to be honest, I'm guilty of that myself, you know, not necessarily thinking that busyness, you know, equates to success, but just thinking like, you know, I'm busy, everyone's busy. You know, I I say that to people a lot. I say, I understand you're busy, you know, it's fine. Like we're all busy, it's cool. You know, not having this expectation of others time because they're busy and we're all busy, like you said. But actually it's like, what is the point of the busyness? You know, is it busy for busy sake? Is it because you're actually achieving something or are we just yeah I'm hearing that more and more and definitely trying to consider it more myself and I have this thing I call white space so it's like in my diary I have to have white space so if it's like this is at 6am this is at 9 this is at 3 this is at 5 you know on Monday Tuesday Wednesday I literally this week it's Thursday Thursday I have white space Mm. and I'm like thank goodness you have to have that you can't have every and I'm you know big on productivity I'm all about that but I think white space you have to because then when things spill over things don't always run to plan or whatever you're like it's cool I can pick it up in that time or I could do nothing in that time if I wanted to absolutely and you know take it from someone who who has been in a in a pretty low place it's not worth it it's not worth feeling low if you can avoid that by making sure you don't get burnt out by making sure you don't say yes to everything but this is something that has taken me a long time to learn so if you're struggling at the moment i was there and yeah. i'm i dip into that place 
frequently and it's okay but yeah oh my gosh white space i love that so much i'm gonna I'm going to hold on to that term. Yeah, because I use a paper diary. So it's like, has to be white. Nothing filled in there. So with that, you know, talking about you've created that morning routine, it's taken time, it's changed. You know, for anyone, I really, something I say a lot, because I really do believe it, is that anyone can change. You know, we're all possible of of making huge changes if we so wish to, if we're motivated to change, then we can. Um, And if you allow... I guess, you know, you're allowed to change your hairstyle, you're allowed to change your career, you're allowed to change your mind, you can change if you want to. But I think often the resistance comes from other people in our lives that might say, you know, if it's changing your diet to veganism, oh, well, you're doing vegan now with the eye roll of like, what, you know, you weren't vegan last year. So what's this about? Or, you know, if you're changing your morning routine to saying, I'm getting up earlier, and I'm going to try out cold showers. Oh, why are you doing a cold shower? It's ridiculous. Oh, what next? It's like, you're just, you know, it's like silly. And people often it's really disrespectful. I've, I've experienced my husband has definitely had that where he's told someone about, you know, the cold showers or, or breath work, you know, breathing techniques. And it's like breath work. Are you having a laugh? I've been breathing since the day I was born. Now you're going to talk to me about, you know, you're going to go to a, a, a whole conference about breath work and it's like yeah I don't know do you have you I guess ever had any relationship struggles of people saying like oh you've changed Venetia absolutely I had people in my life tell me that they weren't gonna be in my life when I went vegan um I have had people be really resistant to the changes that I've made but equally I've had people being really supportive of it and I've held on to those people once you understand that it's all self-projection when people say oh you're gonna do this oh that's weird it's all self-projection it's all on them it's all them it's nothing how they feel it's nothing to do with you once you can understand that it's a real release and you just think oh okay that's cool you do you i'll do me and you just crack on Um, I think, you know, that just comes with time and, and a little bit of patience, but I try to do, I try to live compassionately and do the things that I'm passionate about compassionately, um, rather than, you know, I'm right and you're wrong. Um, and I think that's, that's probably also helpful to, I think that's a helpful way to kind of, if you're going to make changes, do them, do, do them with kindness. And then hopefully you'll be left with less resistance from those people. But if they are really resistant, it's it's on them. It's not on you. Yeah, definitely. And if you are one of those people yourself, maybe question why you have that reaction. You know what I mean? Why do you have that reaction when someone tells you about something that they're changing or trying to change in their life? And maybe just, I don't know, keep it to yourself. If you don't want to encourage them, cool. But maybe don't put them off and discourage them either. Mm, yeah. Great advice. So do you have a power hour challenge for our listeners and for myself to try out this week? Yeah, it's got to be cold showers. Yeah. yeah, I think it's going to be a cold shower. Now, I understand that you might be living in a really cold climate. Um, maybe just start with you jump into the shower and this is quite good, quite a good hack. It's not something I do, but it's quite a good hack. Have a little hot shower and then end with 10 seconds of cold and build up from 10 seconds to a minute. Um, cold showers are actually kind of harder than cold water therapy. Um, I was talking to my friend about this last night a full immersion is actually easier cold showers because it's a the water's a bit sparse and you're kind of you're kind of trying to rub yourself and get clean and uh, it's actually harder Uh, but i really do think that it's just such a good feeling after you get out of the shower we we live in a time where we don't allow ourselves to feel the cold or to feel heat we're constantly wearing clothes and putting the heating on or cooling ourselves down with fans and air conditioning 
we really need to get back to the root of things and start actually challenging our bodies a little bit. And yeah, this we're supposed to feel those fluctuations. Yeah, yeah, this doesn't necessarily mean you have to go to a hit class and do Bikram yoga. This could just mean that potentially you have a little cold shower or you put on a jumper or you don't put on a jumper when you're freezing cold. Maybe you just get up and walk around a little bit. Yeah. I think we should just be challenging our bodies slightly more than we potentially have been yeah, with all of these that... creature comforts that we have. Yes, yeah, I definitely switch that thermostat up. I think I, yeah i'm not a big fan of the cold shower it's certainly not something that i would do daily but i have tried it and my for anyone who wants to try it and you know kind of an easier hack like you said about having the hot one first my hack is that i'll do my cold shower after a yeah sweaty workout Mm. so i'm hot i'm sweaty i might be like then i kind of just welcome the cooling down and then i'm like okay i'm just gonna have this cold shower and like you said you get out and you feel incredible like you feel obviously so Again, I am not, you know, a medical professional, but what I've read about the cold showers and the water therapy is that it is good for your lymphatic system, good for your circulation. It's good for your immune system, apparently. Boosts loads of different things, boosts your mood. And I gen- and I can attest to that. I come out and I feel like if I've had a training run and my legs are sore, my legs feel like I could run again. Mm-hmm. If I'm feeling a bit, you know, foggy, I feel awake. It's just, it's you have to try it to see. If you're listening to this and it's peak of summer, you have lucked out. <laughs> start in the summer, start when yeah. it's really, really hot. And then it will get to winter and you'll still be doing it and you'll be like cool this is no biggie i mean i'm a little bit cold but i'm surviving yeah i think uh i think yeah if you if you start in maybe the hotter climate if you can yeah. and then you can work your way down yeah love it thank Just you try so it. much so before i ask you my closing question venetia tell everyone where they can find you online and in real life uh yeah <laughs> you can find me online at venetia falconer uh, and my podcast is Talking Taste Buds. And in real life, like where can they find in me real in real life, life? So if you've got any events coming up, can people, where can they, yeah, get involved? Oh, what event do I have this month? When does this go out? Mm, quite soon. I'm, well, no, maybe about three weeks. End of April. <coughs> I do. I I am a p- popping up at more more and more events. I'm 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 annoyingly easy to find at the you'll moment. An, you'll announce them online. I always stuff. announce them online. I announce them in my newsletter as well. Um, I, it's really important for me to do as many many of those things as I possibly can because I like to be around people yes. rather than just in my screen, as I've made very clear. Yeah, love that. Amazing. So my closing question for you. Thank you so much, firstly, for giving me an hour of your time today. I really, really do appreciate that. I know I say it, but I really mean it. So time is the most valuable thing to me. It's the most valuable thing I think you can give to another person. You can get your money back. You can never get your time back. So what is the most valuable thing that time has taught you? Alleviate expectation and the rest will follow through. I have spent so much of my life and career pushing for things pushing for jobs pushing for relationships pushing for friendships just pushing 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 as soon as you stop pushing and you let go and you allow life to take hold a little bit things just seem to happen with a little bit more ease that's what's happened in my experience Mm -hmm. just try pushing a little bit less and allow the universe to do its thing i'm sorry i'm getting a bit hippy dicky at the moment but allow allow the universe to do its thing and, and you might be surprised with with the outcome 
Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you everyone for listening. I really hope that you enjoyed this episode as much as I have. Remember to rate and review us over on iTunes. You can share this episode with anyone you think would like to hear it. Let us know if you're taking on board any of the, you know, the things we talked about with the sustainable fashion, with the swapping clothes swap with your friends or join the Facebook group, all of those things. Get involved. Have an awesome, awesome week. Thanks for listening. See ya. Yay! Bye! Go Adrian! Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.